This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 23rd of December. In your Squiz today, a drug lord is extradited to Oz, Zelensky's rock star reception, an Irish Santa story, and perfect potatoes. This is your Squiz today. Claire, the boss of one of the world's biggest drug syndicates, a man named C. Chi Lop, has faced a Melbourne court just hours after being extradited from the Netherlands to Australia. It's three years since the Australian Federal Police issued an international notice for his arrest, and it's a decade after they started looking for him. Yeah, it's all the AFP's Christmas wishes come true. Uh, Their Assistant Commissioner Chrissy Barrett yesterday described it as one of the most high-profile arrests in the history of the AFP. Uh, C. Chi Lop's name isn't that familiar for many people. I certainly wasn't familiar with it. So to give you some context, uh, he's a 59-year-old Chinese-Canadian national. He's often referred to as Mr Big uh, and he's also Asia's answer, they say, to the infamous Mexican drug law El Chapo. Uh, He's said to be the head of one of the world's biggest multi-billion dollar drug syndicates and Australian police estimate that he's responsible for up to 70% of the drugs that come into Australia. And police also reckon that C has been running that drug trafficking business. It's known as the company or the Sam Gore Syndicate. And it's notorious for being a major player in the Asia Pacific drug trade. There's estimates it rakes in anywhere from $12 billion to $26 billion a year. Yeah, and they say that crime doesn't pay, but it certainly <laughs> seems to when it comes to that sort of scale. Uh, reports say that the group has smuggled huge quantities of drugs, particularly things like heroin and methamphetamine, uh, into Australia. Uh, police say that he's the 10th arrest from the syndicate, but he's by far and away the biggest head, uh, and he's the one that they have been after. And it has taken them a bit to get him here. He was arrested by Dutch police in January last year. And since then, there's been some legal wrangling as Australian agencies tried to get him here. Yeah, C began a long court battle fighting his extradition and denying any involvement in drug trafficking. Yesterday in court, though, he didn't apply for bail and he will return to court in February. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's finished his whirlwind visit to Washington, D.C., Claire. We mentioned this yesterday briefly, but it was his first overseas trip since the Russian invasion began back in February. Yeah, and he had a huge, big welcome from American politicians, also from President Joe Biden, who literally rolled out the red carpet for him as they met at the White House. They had a discussion there about how to end the war and also what further support America 
America can give to Ukraine to fight that war. Uh, Zelensky then delivered a speech to the Congress. Uh, It was quite an emotional affair. Uh, He said that Ukrainians are preparing to celebrate Christmas by candlelight, uh, not by choice, but because of the ongoing power outages. And he also took the opportunity to praise America for their support, uh, particularly the financial contributions, which have exceeded 70 US billion dollars. Zelensky says that's not charity. He says that it's an investment in global security and in democracy. And as you said, Claire, he was well received by US lawmakers. In a nice touch, he presented a Ukrainian flag signed by his soldiers. And as Zelensky left for home, Biden vowed ongoing support from the US, saying, we will stay with you for as long as it takes. Predictably, though, Russia wasn't happy about the visit. The country's foreign ministry said the West is set for, this is its quote, a long confrontation after its ongoing military support in Ukraine and Zelensky's visit to Washington. The World Health Organization has weighed in on China's COVID outbreak, Claire. It says it's very concerned over reports about a sharp increase in severe COVID cases in China. It comes after the country began to ease its strict zero COVID policy earlier this month. And fears have been spiked by images that have gone around the world. Uh, Mid this week, there were pictures of dozens and dozens of hearses lining up outside a Beijing crematorium. And that's despite official numbers showing no new COVID deaths in the recent days. The fears come down to a couple of things. Uh, First is there's evidence that hospitals are really struggling in China uh, and there's a concern about the official numbers. Uh, Bodies like the World Health Organization are concerned that they're not really getting the true story of what's happening there. Uh, Also, experts are concerned about the low vaccination rate uh, amongst vulnerable Chinese, particularly the elderly. Uh, And the World Health Organization has warned that large numbers of people are at risk. And some scientists have also warned that the spread of cases in China could lead to the development of new variants. And closer to home, officials in Queensland and New South Wales have also warned Aussies to exercise caution over the Christmas period and do what we can to minimise the spread of COVID. We know that can be a bit hard when everyone wants to hug on Christmas Day, but it's something they want us to keep in mind. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. We better put a disclaimer on this, Claire. (laughs) We're about to talk about some Christmas-themed folklore over in Ireland, and we don't want to spoil anything for Santa Claus believers, so skip ahead now if that's you. As we all know, the Irish love their myths and legends, and one couple living just south of Kilkenny in Ireland have shared one of their local tales. So their names are Maeve and Joe O'Connell. If you could get a more Irish set of names, (laughs) I'm not entirely sure. Uh, They own a deserted 12th century medieval town, as you do, uh, and they believe that St Nicholas, who of course is the real life inspiration behind Santa, uh, has his final resting place on their property. 
Now, people might be wondering about how St Nicholas, who died in Turkey, uh, might come to be in Ireland, (laughs) but there's a rumour amongst the locals and they reckon a massive carved stone effigy uh, on the property is actually for him. Yeah, and there's a long backstory to it, of course, but that sums it up pretty nicely, Claire. Irish Immigration Museum's Nathan Mannion reckons it would be hard to conclusively prove if Santa is real or not in Ireland without unearthing the tomb and doing DNA testing. And he says he wouldn't want to do that. So it seems the local law will live on. Friday Lights, Claire, what do we like this week? So a couple of quick things. Uh, On Netflix, there's a show called A Storm for Christmas, uh, which is about passengers and staff at Norway's Oslo Airport and they're trapped by a snowstorm. It's a really good one. Uh, You can check it out along with Who Killed Santa? And that's got Will Arnett and Jason Bateman and Maya Rudolph. So if you're looking for some Christmas fun, it's a good one. And what about cooking? Yeah, we've got to have a recipe, of course. (laughs) And you can't go past duck fat potatoes at Christmas. Really, really easy to make, extra delicious, and they're absolutely mandatory at Christmas, so it's a good one. So crispy and delicious. I'll pop links to all of those recommendations in your episode notes today. And before we go, just a quick note to let you know that we're signing off today for two weeks, but never fear, we've got loads of content to keep you entertained in that time. Oh, we sure do. So tomorrow there's the great big squid quiz that's out. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And then next week we have our three-part year in review series. Uh, We go through the international, the Aussie news and also the lighter things that we liked and made us laugh through the year. Uh, And then after the new year, uh, you can have a listen to our Year Ahead series. There's four podcasts. uh, They're with friends of ours from the news uh, and also from Team Squiz. So there's lots to listen to. Yes, so much to keep everyone going. Just check the Squiz Today show on your podcast app for those over the coming fortnight. And from us to you, Squizzers, thank you so much for listening this year. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. We've just had a great time. We can't wait to be back with you in 2023. And if you want to give us a present, make sure you tell all your people about us. (laughs) Definitely. And that wraps us up today. Merry Christmas. And The Squiz Today will be back with you on Monday, the 9th of January. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.